You're listening to Earth Matters on the Community Radio Network with Beck Horridge. I'd like to pay my respects to country and to all the elders, past and present, who've been part of the struggle for so long for sovereignty and self-determination. This Earth Matters was produced on the lands of the Ngunnawal and the Gambri peoples in Canberra. Salute to National Aborigines and Islanders Day. That was last year's NAIDOC march as they wound their way through the Redfern streets to kick off celebrations. This year's NAIDOC theme always was, always will be Aboriginal land. What detoxes CO2 out of the air, regenerates soil, needs little pesticide or water and prevents deforestation. What makes paper, plastic, bricks, planks, clothes, houses, cars and medicines for chronic pain and other common ailments? Hemp is the strain of cannabis sativa that contains only a trace of the psychoactive THC chemical. Yet we don't grow much hemp. Indeed, we import hemp products. Today on Earth Matters, we outline the benefits of growing hemp and look at how the war against recreational cannabis has held back hemp growing in Australia to the detriment of farmers and the environment. Our guests are soil scientist Walter Yene, director and innocent bystander at Regenerate Earth, Michael Balderston and Caroline Todd, who are campaigners at the Nimbin Hemp Embassy and were campaigning for the Hemp Party. I'm here in the Rose Garden of Old Parliament House, Canberra. And beautiful day it is. Here with Walter Yene, soil scientist who used to work at CSIRO and now director of Regenerate Earth. Walter, we're talking about hemp. Why should we be growing more hemp? Right, Rebecca. Look, uh, hello, everybody. And it's a very important question because hemp is a wonderful, beautiful pioneer plant that is extremely important in actually colonizing degraded soils and really stabilizing that soil, building hydrology in that landscape, and then regreening and recooling that landscape. And we've got this fundamental imperative globally, everywhere. How do we actually now regreen, regenerate, rehydrate, and build resilience and cooling across the landscape? So we need these pioneer plants to be doing that. And cannabis sativa hemp is one of nature's most exquisite examples because it's a very vigorous, deep-rooted, uh, productive plant that can be grown in a whole range of even pretty adverse habitats to kickstart that biological regeneration process. So the potential for using hemp, cannabis sativa, in this pioneer regeneration phase of regreening the planet is fundamental. We've heard that hemp sequesters CO2 and that it's a good plant for doing that. Why choose hemp? Well, look, hemp is, as all plants, is, is actually takes CO2 from the air through photosynthesis, fixes it into sugars, lignin, cellulose, and then basically sequesters that in its biomass. 
And so all plants do that, but hemp is particularly useful in this because, as we said before, it's a fast-growing pioneer plant that can be integrated into landscapes everywhere, can grow in some fairly degraded habitats, and so it's very, very flexible and useful. But it's also highly productive. You know, like a field of hemp can fix up to 20 tonnes of carbon per hectare per annum. See, that's a prodigious amount of carbon drawdown from the air, taking CO2 from the air and putting it into biomass. But hemp is actually then even more beneficial in the sense 60% of that 20 tonnes of carbon photosynthesis per hectare, the hemp plants will put into roots and root exudates into the soil. And so it will store that carbon in permanent, stable soil carbon in the soils. And that is really what's so powerful in restoring the natural structure and carbon content and health of that soil. The health of that soil, of course, is then the thing that gives us the Earth's soil carbon sponge, the soil's capacity to infiltrate, retain and make available water for more growth. So it becomes a positive feedback multiplier effect, whereby growing healthy plants, putting carbon in soil, we are actually regenerating those biosystems, those soils, those landscapes. And hemp is extremely effective, as we just outlined in doing that. Currently have a crisis in our forests that have been logged, destroying biodiversity. We know that we could be getting pulp for paper from hemp. What other uses including paper, have we got for hemp? How could we diversify and grow this industry in Australia? Yeah. Okay, Rebecca, and and obviously it's always horses for courses. And, of course, where we've got a healthy natural forest that will regenerate, just say a eucalypt forest that regenerates naturally to eucalypts, then we're not necessarily going to need to grow hemp in that forest because obviously the eucalypts will dominate and it's, there's already native plants there. But the bigger issue is actually we humans over the last 8,000 years have created 5 billion hectares of man-made desert and wasteland on this planet. There's only 14 billion hectares total land mass on the planet and so that's some 40% has been degraded to wasteland to desert and we've got to basically look at how much and how fast can we regenerate some of that wasteland because that's where our future water security food security biodiversity habitat sustainability is going to come from and so the whole issue becomes okay how do we regenerate some of these degraded wastelands and hemp is extremely valuable in that role because as a pioneer plant it can colonize these wastelands it can progressively build up that soil carbon and build up the hydrology of that landscape and then progressively move it into ever ever more productive biosystems. The other way that hemp is extremely valuable is it's a very fast growing plant so we can integrate that whether it's with agroforestry so for example we're starting off regrowing or regreening these degraded habitats where we can use hemp as a initial pioneer cover crop plant to create habitat protection and then under that you'll find other trees and other grasses can establish so we're really using it as that pioneer colonizing species and so it's very valuable in its flexibility but particularly in these more extreme degraded environments. (laughs) 
the next question you ask is, well, what do we do with it? And, and again, it's it's very, very wonderful plant. Basically, as we've said, 60% of the biomass that the hemp is producing is being invested underground. And while we don't see that, that's really the biggest dividend because it's that underground regeneration, which is really giving us natural capital, resilience, cooling, hydrology, you know, sustainable futures. But above ground, we've still got the stem of the plant. The leaves of the hemp plant are extremely valuable as stock feed. So grazing animals will eat this as high nutrition stock feed. And that's very, very valuable then in sheep, cattle, goats, horses, you know, food production systems high-protein foliage feed for the animals. So it's a very nice thing to integrate with grazing systems. But once they've eaten the leaves, then we have all these stalks. And the actual hemp stalks, you know, the little stems, one centimetre or so in diameter. And again, that fibre can be used very efficiently to make a whole wide range of paper and wood products. So we can actually just harvest that uh, those stalks and then we can basically crush them and then reform them basically as paper or as panel timber panel products uh, mold them into all sorts of different shapes so we can use it effectively i mean hemp as a fiber as we would use currently fiberglass you know so we can actually sort of say here are actually panels made out of hemp based uh, wood panel products or as we said you can make high quality paper or you can use them for basically making textiles and in that case what you're doing is you're washing out some of those parenchyma cells from the hemp fibers extracting those long very very uh, strong fibers and then making fabrics and of course previously uh, before the second world war hemp was extremely valuable as a strategic material because all our ropes and sailcloths and what have you were made out of hemp. It's extremely strong, much stronger than cotton, much more efficient to produce fibre than from cotton. And of course, it's much more durable and ecological, ecologically sort of uh, appropriate than cotton. I've been resisting washing my clothes lately because I heard about the plastic microfibres that are coming off them into our waterways and are now quite thick in the oceans. That's one good thing about hemp is that it's biodegradable. For farmers who want to grow hemp, what's the way forward? To organise themselves into collectives and then access some machinery? Okay, well, look, this is an important uh, frontier now because what we've been talking about is here is nature, here's the potential of this plant, here's our imperative to have such a plant to do this regeneration. But now the question is how do we actually catalyse the change? How do we actually pull together the capabilities to make the needed change? And the tragedy is we often go back to governments to say, well, look, governments should or could do this. But the point is this is innovation and governments are mostly not very good at innovation because they're always having to play to the status quo and obviously vested interests. So it really comes down to at a regional grassroots community level, how do we get local hemp-based industries established and basically how do we make those economically viable so that people can invest and grow and benefit and have livelihoods from that 
And so the really thing, it starts with actually looking at the market. What are the niche markets? So, for example, if we want to make high-quality fiber for, you know, boutique clothing products, that's a niche market. And so then you would sort of say, look, here's a cluster of local people and here are growers, here are people into, for example, designing those type of clothes. Here are people who can actually pull together the production processes for these simple local industries and you almost build a, a cooperative or a syndicate of local interested entrepreneurs who together can make this viable. But I agree the problem has been that individually it's very, very hard for one person to actually sort of take each step of this innovation process and make it commercially viable by themselves. So it is really, you need a certain scale, you need a certain you know, marketing critical mass, but it has to come from local eco-enterprise rather than saying, will governments do it? Because I think that's very unlikely. Walter, one can't help thinking that it's all very well to grow hemp. It would be great. But then isn't the big problem going to be is that those farmers will try to hide the other sort of cannabis sativa, the THC, the one that we're not allowed to have. They'll try and hide it in the middle of the field. And so, of course, we can't have them growing the useful non-THC hemp variety. You're saying there's a solution to this. Well, Rebecca, certainly you're absolutely right. You've defined the problem because that's really what's compromised hemp for the last 70 years around the planet, right? Because it's got this pharmaceutical use, the THC, and people then are so alarmed about, hey, this is a drug sort of problem. And so that's killed the whole hemp industry, actually destroyed the whole hemp industry since the Second World War. And of course, we can avoid all that very simply and nicely because the THC, it comes in the hemp plant when it matures and starts flowering and then certain varieties strains of that plant will produce high quantities but we don't have to let the plant grow to that age see what i've been talking about is regenerative hemp we can actually grow that hemp through its vegetative phase for a fixed amount of time just say six eight weeks well before it actually produces high quantities of this drug this THC, and then we can say, look, here are harvesting systems. We can graze it, we can harvest it, we can use that fiber well before it produces this THC. And in that way, we can avoid the whole panic, the beat-up scare about, hey, we're growing a drug plant. No, we're growing a regenerative plant for this period, and we're managing in a completely safe, controlled way. So we avoid that whole issue of, hey, this is a risk in terms of social drug problems. And don't they say that the hemp strain doesn't hardly have any THC anyway? Look, there are, exactly, there are a wide variety of genetic ecotypes. And then, yes, we can, for this regenerative role, we would be selecting varieties that have got very, very low THC, don't create a problem whatsoever. So, yes, between selecting those varieties and growing it in this rapid vegetative stage rather than the flower stage, we can avoid 99.99% of that drug problem. It's a non-issue. Walter Yene from Regenerate Earth. You're listening to Earth Matters via the Community Radio Network. I'm Beck Horridge.
The National Government Department of Agri-Futures Australia is working with the industrial hemp industry to reach a target of 10 million annual gross value of production by 2025. They're creating a business case for a national industrial hemp variety trial. Hemp is earmarked as a high potential emerging industry. As part of the consultation process, a national survey is being circulated to industry and anyone with an interest in industrial hemp, from growers and processors to researchers and enthusiasts, are invited to get involved in the project via the national survey. The link to the survey is on the AgriFutures website. My name's Caroline. I come from Nimbin and work at the Hemp Embassy. I'm a permaculturalist and a long-time advocate of environmental sustainability, I guess, pretty much all my life, parents and grandparents, gardeners and farmers. Caroline, could you tell me something about hemp and papermaking and pulp? Could hemp help us cut down the number of trees we cut down in our state forests? Well, definitely. In most of the country, you can grow two crops of hemp a year. Hemp and cannabis are really the same plant. There's just different versions of it. So the hemp that they use for things like replacing wood pulp and so on is a long-fibred, tall, stringy kind of plant with long fibres. And they chip that. They chip the hemp plant and uh, they can compress it and make plastic and bricks out of it for building houses. It's notoriously heat proof and fireproof and it's uh, got an antibacterial quality as well. Uh, hemp buildings, Chinese were doing it 5,000 years ago using hemp as a concrete, like a concrete. It sets like a concrete. So if concrete takes um, 30 years to mature, then hemp takes 300 years to mature. So it, as a building product, it can last longer than any concrete. It's just really the processing is the big thing, which is why hemp really needs to be done, I think, on small scale. So communities allocate land, they grow hemp, and in a small scale industry, they make bricks or they're making paper or they're uh, producing fibre for rope or fabric or something like that. But in a small kind of industry where it's, it'll be quite labour intensive and uh, which provides jobs. The reason that I got so interested in it was because it was fireproof and because it was it's an insulative property. So you can even put hemp walls inside your existing walls of your house and it will provide incredible insulation and it will help to make your house fireproof. For example, when the museum burnt down in Nimbin and the Rainbow Cafe in 2014, it was just a no-brainer that it would be rebuilt out of hemp. But because of the council regulations on having heritage, which is all timber, the whole town is timber, There's not, I don't think there's a brick place in it. I thought, well, you know, wouldn't that be what we would do, is that we would start to build out of hemp because it is fireproof and because it has these insulative qualities, because we can grow it ourselves, we, it's fast-growing, can grow two or three crops a year. Here's Michael Balderston from the Nimbin Hemp Embassy. Michael ran as a Hemp Party candidate in the last Eurobadala by-election. He was campaigning with Caroline Todd in Queenby in New South Wales. Hemp is a great plant for taking poisons out of the soil and they actually use it all around Chernobyl, planted hemp around Chernobyl, and it sucks the toxins into its roots mostly, which were then burnt to an ash and buried in concrete vaults like 100 metres in the dirt. It's one of the, the little-known attributes of hemp. It's a pretty extraordinary plant. 
And I think with bamboo, it's the fastest growing biomass we know of. So when you hear about wood chip going on here and all the forestry work down here, hemp is a totally viable alternative and produces top quality. It's that unique, long, strong, flexible fibre that creates such a good product. So it's one thing to get our, you know, wood chip back as egg cartons. It's a whole other way we could be doing this, which would be much smarter, much more mature, much better towards the future. Not many people listening, though. Not many people really, you know, we've got it. My biggest issue, I suppose, is we've got established industries and businesses and jobs, which everyone's scared to change. And change we have to do. We, you know, we've got, we've got a crisis coming on the planet. There's no argument about that. But can people actually make a change, do a different product? Look, I'm holding here this bowl. This is 100% hemp, this bowl, made by a fellow up north who's experimenting with magnesium cement hemp bricks, which are totally fireproof, extraordinary products. But this bowl, this is 100% hemp. So he grinds the fibre to a powder and adds water and the, and the paste then, make whatever shape you like, and it has its own glue, sets by itself. I think Mercedes and Volkswagen have been, you know, making their doors out of this, which is biodegradable for years now. But as Henry Ford said, you know, anything you can make from hydrocarbons, you can make from carbohydrates. So... You know, he doesn't like us calling it hemp plastic. He calls it hemp fusion. But it is it is a, a, a pl- exactly like a plastic product. Instead of out of oil waste, we can be making it out of plants. Growing hemp. So hemp is where the CBD comes from. And so the fact that they're not promoting that at all and we're still importing CBD from Canada and uh, when they can actually get it from the hemp crop that they can legally grow, I think that's a bit of a, a, bit of a secret that people don't know about, you know, CBD being the great medicine for inflammation and anxiety. So a lot of people just take CBD. They don't take THC. They just take CBD medicine to keep themselves unstressed, to keep their blood pressure level and to be able to cope. Hemp is also used to make cloth and to make paper and building products. Were people in the Eden Monero electorate interested in that? They really don't know much about hemp, and and we've been hoodwinked on hemp. So, do people realise this was the probably the most grown plant on the planet 150, 200 years ago, with its unique, long, strong fibre, which great for hemp, great for rope, and uh, the word canvas comes from cannabis. So, yeah, there's a bit of talk about that, and there's a, quite a lot of shops selling hemp clothing nowadays. So, I think people do know about hemp, and we're all wearing hemp. So it's always good to show that to people. This shirt's 100% hemp. Look at it, like canvas, fantastic. And this is a big, you know, pulp mill down here too. So we talked more probably about its potential to replace wood chip and tracking into the forest because you can grow two big crops in a year and, you know, all all the Bibles and banknotes used to be made of hemp because it's so long-wearing and so sturdy. So people, we're about education. The whole tour, our whole mission, is really about education, you know. Ignorance is the problem, education's the answer, hopefully. So, yeah, all that was talked about. It's a bit of a threat to the, the wood chip industry, perhaps. So maybe they, you know, jobs are God. So they're a bit worried about that. But, so you know, one of the things I found myself saying is Colorado 
has less than the population of Sydney. The legalising cannabis movement there has created 100,000 jobs and in eight years they've made one and a quarter billion dollars in tax. That stuns people a bit. That's the potential with regulating and taxing cannabis. The, The jobs potential is just massive. And setting up the industry is something that people talk about because it needs particular machinery to set up the industry. You you need a machine called a a decorticator because the fibre is so strong, there are no other machines that can actually deal with the fibre. And we have a decorticating machine somewhere in the Hunter that produces hemp stalk fibre for building materials. And people are building bricks, which are, if it's made of hemp, it's fireproof. And these machines are big and bulky and you need money to set up this kind of industry. But last week we heard that Scott Morrison uh, has pledged $270 billion to the military. So when you, you know, saying to people, well, we need to set up industry and this is how we do it. And we have small industries in regional centres all around so people can go there and work, learn you know, and they can make so many different things to replace things that we now bring in from China or knocking down forests. And you need money to actually set up all of that kind of industry. So why are we spending money on military might when we should be spending money on on our big island, so isolated from the rest of the world, on making our island more self-sufficient? When we come down here to Canberra, we're on the street talking to people. You know, some people are totally spooked by it. Cannabis, horrible. And they, you know, put a cross up and walk away. But most people now are realising it's been legal in America for over 20 years. The sky didn't fall in. And hemp as a crop for farmers in Australia it has just massive potential. We've barely scratched the surface. It's great hemp seed is finally legal. And supplies are short. It's so popular, farmers need more. I think we're having to look to China to import it because we just could be and should be growing more. Michael Balderston and Caroline Todd, campaigners for the Hemp Party. You have been listening to Earth Matters. This edition was produced for Radio 3CR in Nam, Melbourne, Wurundjeri country, and broadcast nationally on the Community Radio Network. If you'd like to get in touch with the Earth Matters team, you can email us at earthmatters3cr at gmail.com or visit our Facebook on Earth Matters 3CR Radio. And to listen to or to share editions of Earth Matters, you can find this and all the Earth Matters podcasts at 3cr.org.au forward slash Earth Matters. Look out for more from the Earth Matters team next week. I'm Beck Horridge. Now, sounds from a multi-generational Aboriginal women's dance group which performed last year at Sydney's NAIDOC celebration, the National Aboriginal Islanders' Day, at Redfern Oval, video courtesy of Peter Boyle for Green Left Weekly.
Thank you.